to the Food Startups Podcast, connecting the opaque world of food startups. This is Daniel Imri Satanayaka of Tiny Farms, and you are listening to the Food Startups Podcast. She started out her career in fashion, but she always had a interest in nutrition that developed over time as she learned more and more. You know, it's not about Diet Coke. It's about vitamins, macronutrients, micronutrients, et cetera, et cetera. And she kept learning. And she went on and studied and got a certification from a nutrition institute. But at the same time, in September 2014, you know, she has a fashion background and she was working in that she also got pregnant. And what was the challenge here? Well, she was going to bring a newborn son into the world. And knowing all the problems that American mothers and probably mothers all over the world, to be honest, faced with nutrition, pre and post pregnancy, she wanted to find a way, you know, to to help mothers and their babies. So she started Barley and Oats, and she is the chief mom and CEO. Ashley Yashchin, how's it going? Good, thank you. Did I pronounce your name right? Yes. Okay, I usually, uh, the <laughs> protocol, I'm supposed to ask for that, but I just I just took a, a chance there. So that's good. Thanks for coming <laughs> on the show. This is our early morning interview edition, which is a great way to start the day. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, so Ashley, starting the day, what did, I'm curious, what did you and what did your baby have for breakfast? Yeah, so this morning, I, we did, I did have coffee this morning. It's back on the coffee train unfortunately, but I was off it for a very long time. Uh, and I had some watermelon and I had some of our buckwheat fennel porridge, which is one of our menu items. And then Asap had some goat yogurt and uh, watermelon as well. Oh, great. Okay. And, so, and breast milk, of course. He always has some milk anyway. So. And breast milk. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> and okay. So I, I want to get into the problems of that American women face when they become pregnant, but I, I want to start out, you know, a little bit about your story before founding Barley and Oats. So, so Ashley, where did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in a small town in Northwest New Jersey called Blairstown. It's about two hours from here. Okay, you grew up, you grew up in Blairstown. And tell me when you first got interested in nutrition. Yeah, so I think it really started, uh, my mom moved out to Arizona when I was about seven. And there was a big health and wellness movement kind of happening out west at the time. And uh, she ended up working for a company called Natural Factors, which was a vitamin supplement company. And when I would go out there for a couple weeks at a time, you know, she couldn't always take off work. So I would go with her to all of the different health food stores. So at that point, it was it was wild oats, it was Whole Foods, um, some small mom and pop stores. And she would go and talk to the buyers there about selling these supplements. So while she was there, you know, I would play around in the aisles and I would you know, be exposed to all this food that like I didn't see in our supermarkets, you know, in New Jersey. And I certainly didn't see in my house in New Jersey. And when I would go home at the end of the day, my mom would bring back all of, all of these snacks, you know, like tofu and, you know, whole foods like, like sweet potatoes and, um, you know, Barbara's cereal. And, you know, so I started getting this kind of new information about what maybe healthy was, but it was still the 90s. And even the health food was somewhat processed. So again, I think I mentioned tofu, you know, we would have tofu cuties or, you know, silk soy milk and things like that. So I would have this life in Arizona and, and eat this healthy, healthier food. And then I would come back to New Jersey and it would be, you know, the regular standard American fare and processed food. So kind of my way of extrapolating that was to move towards what I thought were the healthier items, the low calorie items like light and fit yogurt or diet soda. And that was kind of where I thought, you know, healthy was for, for a period of time. As I got older and I moved to the city and I, and I started college um, and more information started to come out about kind of what healthy was, it started to reshape that view. I started reading different books. 
books, you know, like Michael Pollan's books. I started watching a lot of documentaries like Forks Over Knives. Really every documentary Netflix had on food, I think I watched two or three times. And then I moved to Rome for a little while in college and really got exposed to what like healthy market fresh food was, whole foods were. You know, I was eating pasta every day and in gelato and fresh fruits and vegetables. And I felt great. You know, if I was eating that stuff here, I don't, I, I don't think I would have felt so good. So why yeah. is that? Why, like, uh, explain to listeners the exact same diet of gelato and, and, and pasta. I realize other stuff in there, but, but why yeah. would you have felt bad in the U.S.? Yeah. So unfortunately, a lot of the stuff we eat here has a lot of fillers in it. It's not necessarily made, it's not made from fresh ingredients, not really made, usually made from organic ingredients, but mostly it comes down to the processing it and the, you know, also genetically modified, genetically modified organisms. So in Europe, they have way less than we have over here. You know, I don't want you to quote me on the number, but I feel like we have somewhere in the realm of three to four times the amount of GMOs in the U.S. But over there, everything is fresh. Everything comes from a market. Um, everything is local. So it's the highest nutrient quality. It's the highest taste factor. Um, and your body just processes it so much better. Gotcha. Okay. Now, this is a really interesting interview for me because this is probably the the most p- specific niche or niche mm-hmm. that we've had on uh, the show because, you know, some people have you know, superfood brands that are targeted towards athletes or, you know, lifestyle millennials. Mm-hmm. But this is, this is like millennial moms, right? Right. I mean, it's really all moms, but most moms right now are millennials. It's sure. Yeah, just because of the age you have, mm-hmm. you have kids, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's moms and it's a very specific niche. And okay, I have, I got a stat here. I believe this is from the pitch deck, but mm-hmm. 17% of women aged 25 to 44 have used an infertility service. Correct. So my question is, is that because of poor diet and nutrition? Right. So now, of course, with any sort of, you know, physical ailment, there's always multiple factors that come into play. But nutrition can really, really have an impact. And especially with hormones, our hormones really are regulated and made by the foods that we eat, and the micronutrients that we take in. Um, and, you know, if we're micronutrient deficient, or we're taking in diets rich in refined carbs and sugar, our whole hormone system and hormone metabolism is getting thrown out of whack. And hormones are really what underlie your fertility. You know, so when when you start eating the foods that support your your hormone metabolism and you're able to manufacture and excrete hormones the way that you're supposed to, then you start to see, you know, regular cycles and higher fertility rates, you know, and better longer-term pregnancies. Gotcha. Okay. And you've identified vitamins, minerals, I guess tryptophan is an amino acid, right? For Mm -hmm. fertility, pregnancy, postpartum recovery and breastfeeding. And you've kind of, I guess, I want to say isolated, but you've kind of, for instance, fertility, you have zinc, vitamin B6, vitamin E, vitamin C, and it mm-hmm. changes based on the stage you're in. So the, the food, obviously, I, I guess the life, you know, the, the life cycle of a, of a client, right? The, the lifetime value, I should mm-hmm. say, of, of the client is, well, expensive. They have multiple kids. Well, just, let's just say they have, they have one baby. You know, it's going to change. The food that they're going to eat, their diet's going to change throughout, we'll say, like the pregnancy and then the the uh, the recovery period from from having the baby. Right. And it's not like a ma- big shift, really. A lot of most of our dishes are, are designed for all four stages because really all of the micronutrients are important, but certain ones are a little bit more important at certain phases. So you definitely want to have a lot of folate, you know, before you become pregnant and throughout the pregnancy, maybe a little bit more than you need necessarily in the postpartum. You know, in the postpartum, you might want to focus on things that are a little bit more healing, um, that replenish a lot of the minerals that you lose in the birthing process. So things like postpartum bone broths. And then if you're breastfeeding and you continue to breastfeed kind of throughout, if you're trying to make that, you know, that full one to two years, then you might be looking at things that help increase lactation. So things that are high in beta glucan, like barley or oats or tryptophan. Barley or oats. Okay. So, Mm -hmm. all right. That, so coming to the, the, your name, barley and oats, Mm -hmm. where did the name barley and oats come from? 
yeah, so it's kind of a cool story. So when I first started doing research for the company, I assembled across a book called Mother Food, written by Hillary Jacobson, who was a lactation consultant. Uh, she was born in the US, but she moved to Switzerland and, and had her first baby and had trouble breastfeeding. She wasn't making enough milk. So she was speaking to some women out there and they recommended a beverage to her. And the beverage had some special herbs in it that helped with milk production. And she saw an immediate effect. So she started getting really interested, started dig doing some digging and, and looking into history about these different rituals that women use around the world in the postpartum period and throughout breastfeeding. Uh, things that help with recovery, that help prevent uh, postpartum depression, that help with breast milk production. And she found this whole wealth of knowledge employed by you know, basically our ancestors and ancient civilizations around breastfeeding. And back in the um, first agricultural society, uh, the women, the women, you know, sowed the fields and the men were the hunters. And a lot of the grains that they were planting were grains that were highest in beta-glucan so that they, so beta-glucan is a long chain sugar. It's a polysaccharide and it underlies the production of prolactin, which is the hormone necessary for milk production. So they were planting these grains that were high in beta-glucan so that they would have this effect on the milk supply. Because at that point in time, really breastfeeding was the only way to, to support your offspring. There was no formula or baby food. And basically, if, you, if you've ever heard of Demeter, who's the goddess of grain in Greek mythology, if you look at pictures of her, she's always in charge of, of two strands of grain. And the grain was barley. And they called her the mother goddess. And they believe that that was kind of like a, you know, it had multiple implications because she was the, you know, the mother of grain, but also the mother of fertility, because that grain helped support breast milk, which helped support the offspring in future generations. So that's the story right there. Now, yeah. just like all startups, like myself included, the you know the packaging and the the storytelling evolves, right? I know you know as you guys right. grow, you're gonna evolve. I, how so? I wonder what are your ideas to communicate that story? Because just hearing the name barley and oats, they're not going to be aware of the amazing story behind that. Yeah. Well, the reason we we kind of so barley and oats, despite you know, being the two highest beta-glucan-containing grains for breast milk production. Um, it also kind of reads wholesome, you know, and um, nutritious. Sure. So we, we kind of wanted it to have both meanings. So that way, if we expanded into other categories, like say like early childhood snacks or now into fertility and pregnancy, that it didn't necessarily read breastfeeding. Gotcha. Okay, understood. So, and, and you've done a lot of work here. I guess, I don't know if this is something you've studied or you've learned in fashion, but I was pretty impressed with your, your customer profile. So I'm going to read it. And you go into this listeners, sure. and this can be found at foodstarspodcast.com slash barley and oats, A-N-D spelled out barley and oats. So listeners, the customer profile, I think is really important. And as we all know, moms kind of, when it comes to like e-commerce and just commerce in general and shopping, like moms are the, that's like the the audience or the segment that, that really, really spends money. And uh, the customer profile to me is really interesting. So you say, here we go. This is a quote from the pitch deck. This is Amber. She's a millennial mom. She's registered at Giggle and reads the bump daily. She shops at Whole Foods, but has it delivered through Instacart. She is taking prenatal vitamins and heading to prenatal yoga. She's very engaged with social media, spending 17.4 hours per week there. Mm -hmm. A side note there, like, I wonder if I spend 17.4 hours a week. That's shocking. I, I, I might, but that's a lot of time. My gosh. <laughs> she, highly, she highly trusts the recommendations of her peers, basing 55% of decisions off of them. She lives with a 50-mile radius of a major city. She's working full-time, contributing to a, uh, a household income mm -hmm. of over a hundred thousand a year and she plans to breastfeed from nine to twelve months, takes her baby in a bugaboo stroller, and I guess organic diapers on this company nappies. And then the baby's furniture is made from is it stoke or stock? Yeah, you know, I think it's pronounced stoke. I've never asked asked an official 
person to weigh in on that. Okay. And she checks in weekly with her favorite mommy blog. So you've done like a great job on the profile here. And so the things I see that are interesting to me, I mean, okay, I like this 55% of decisions off of peer recommendations. So barley and oats has to have a, uh, not just barley and oats, but you know, all these other exciting stars that we have on the show, they have to have the, the word of mouth, right? The peer recommendations. So. Okay, I, I know you're in the, the Foodex Accelerator and, and you're going to be looking for funding. What is your strategy for word of mouth, uh, you know, getting this out there? Yeah, so we actually, a lot of our business is already coming through word of mouth. So the mom community is very pure heavy. They, they call it, there's something called mom sourcing where moms create these online forums and use their profiles to educate one another. So like when you become pregnant and, you know, First of all, there's a lot of things that you don't you don't know. So you spend I mean, I spent more time on the computer and on Google than like I ever did in my life when I became pregnant. And just one simple search will come up you'll you'll find like hundreds of blog posts with other moms sharing their opinions and their ideas and their solutions to your question and also shaming each other sometimes, which isn't so nice. So don't always don't don't spend too much time on Google if you're pregnant. But so really creating that trust with that mom is really important. So we do a lot of um, samples, we do a lot of events. So events where we where we're uh, co-branding with other companies that the mom already trusts. So like today, actually tonight, we're sponsoring the food for a well-rounded event. So well-rounded, the blog that a lot of city moms read. It's at a great uh, maternity store called Seraphine. There's some some expert pre and postnatal nutritionists going to be there. And, you know, doula services. So kind of cult- affiliating ourselves with this community that the mom already trusts is really important to building that word of mouth and that brand recognition. And then of course delivering a quality product. So making sure that when she does try the food, that it's delicious and that it makes her feel good and that it's easy and convenient, so that she tells her friends about it. That's brilliant. And so it seems like I've got this from the pitch deck as well, this just speaking with you. There's like some New York City or just like mom, you know, young early mother blogs in general. Like being a mom blogger can be like a pretty uh lucrative or at least uh you can have a lot of reach and influence. Oh yeah. Yeah. Amber Fillerup, uh she's the barefoot blonde. She's great. She's got two kids now and she's got over a million Instagram followers. It's amazing. Wow. And so that's cool. And so Instagram's really taken off. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is. Are you familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk? I feel like I heard you talk about him on another podcast and I'm blanking on Yeah, I probably talked yeah. about him like one time like <laughs> six because he's yeah. like he he's like the King of social media, sorry, social media agency okay. in New York. And he's the way he's talking about it, it's like Twitter. It looks like Twitter. I don't know. I'm still going to post this podcast on Twitter, but it, it looks like <laughs> Twitter's still good for a lot of things, but for like branding things like that, Instagram is just blowing up and yeah. it's way more effective than, than Twitter in, in 2016. Yeah. And okay, so this is amazing. So well, it has that visual component, you know? Exactly. And so Gary Vaynerchuk would say, we won't get to a tangent here, but he, he thinks Twitter should have done a better job evolving and they could have, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I, I mean, so you're using Instagram. So I want to go to a little social media here because we, right. it's so easy to be ineffective with social media. You have mm-hmm. your Facebook page, you have your Twitter page, you like check the dots off, you have a blog, right. but you may even have a lot of followers, but you don't have actual impact. You don't have attention. You're not getting the attention of people out of the social media that you're working on right now. You mm-hmm. mentioned Instagram. What else are you working on besides Instagram? Yeah, so mainly the ones that you said, you know, we do the face Facebook, we do Twitter, we have we just started pushing a blog, We really want to start ramping up our content. So a lot of what we're doing has a, a big education component to it. And right now, I don't know that we've done the best job of getting that across. So that's, that's, you know, phase two, like explaining why our dishes are so beneficial, why it's important to eat these micronutrients, you know, throughout these different phases. We also do Pinterest. So our Pinterest is kind of a resource for moms. It has a lot of great recipes that we've collected that are great for pregnancy and the postpartum. But Instagram is definitely our best platform. Uh, we see the most response there for sure. 
that's cool. And okay. And so Pinterest, it's interesting. I had like, mm-hmm. I tried Pinterest to, for, for one of the businesses I was running and it's, it's a lot of work. Pinterest, like making yeah. the boards and curating the boards. Like I feel like Instagram, I'm not saying Instagram isn't a lot of work and there's a great strategy mm-hmm. behind it. You have to be very co- like new cognizant. If you're going to get like a million followers, every single, like the timing, every single thing you do, the text, the hashtags is going to be perfect, right? You're building up an audience, but Pinterest, you have to build up the boards. I don't know. It, it's, it's, um, yeah, Pinterest is not easy. So I feel like no. you can master Pinterest. It's, uh, <laughs> that's, it's a huge skill to have. Yeah, well, we know the millennial mom loves it. Like she, she's pinning her DIY projects, her nursery ideas, you know, her you know, first baby party ideas on there. So we definitely want to be on there too. And you have a, okay, so related to Pinterest, so Ashley, you have a team, I guess it's, you have three moms right now. Who spearheads the social media? So that's me. So the other two moms you saw on the slide are advisors. So one of them is actually probably going to be coming on board and taking on a more senior role. But um, it's me and then I have two assistants who kind of wear multiple hats, uh, but mostly they're related to kitchen operations. So, so, so you know, sourcing the food, uh, making sure the inventory is there, and packaging, executing the recipes, etc. So social media right now is me. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's startups, right? Wearing multiple hats. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's like, you can't just hire a CFO and a CTO, right? right. Just, who has the money for that? And I'm working on trying to do that right now with, with some promises and not so much cash capital. But. I understand. Yeah. I mean, oh, so this is, this is interesting. So like the, so you're, you're, okay. So you're going through the accelerator and you're looking for, for funding. How is, you know, how, where are you along that process right now in terms of getting funded? Yeah, so right now we're really finalizing that pitch deck. Um, I sent you over a rough draft and you have to update, you know, the, the funding information in there and the financing. And we're probably going to start, you know, trying to pitch in about two to three weeks. That's really, really exciting. And, mm-hmm. and okay, the, okay, so we've had, we had a guy that talked about, I guess, like DoorDash, like a, a big venture capital firm in Europe and the whole like food delivery. Yeah, I love that right? one. Yeah. And, uh, he has very, very French accent. I, he's like really, really sharp, but uh, I thought I was funny. I, I, uh, I guess like, like, uh, he's, he speaks perfect English, but is, he has not like adapted his accent at all. And, uh, a lot of pe- everyone that, you know, gave me feedback on that were kind of just like, listen, I love listening to it, you know, and it's, even though it's a very like heavy French accent, cause he's like really, really yeah. sharp on like a, on like a macro level. So I was really impressed by that. And, and Martin, Martin McNulty. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so what he was saying is, I'm curious about the logistics. So what's your yeah. logistical plan? I, you know, maybe you don't have your, your, I don't know if it's a motorcycle team right now, but what are you doing right now? So you have deliveries in all over New York. What, uh, yeah. what's going on? So it's been tricky. So when we first launched, we launched with a bike messenger service called Zipman's. And then we recently, like a month or two ago, switched over to Uber Rush, but again, bike messenger couriers. So the, the, the reach was really limited and the, the price was just astronomical, really. When we first launched the business, we were doing three deliveries a week per customer. Um, we were only charging them $10 per delivery. It was costing us about $70 per customer to deliver. Wait, hold on. I'm going to take a step back. So yeah, let's just go because logistics is so important. I mean, you mm-hmm. could, I'm not going to get too deep here, but like life is logistics. And, yeah. and so, okay. So three deliveries mm-hmm. and how, in terms of distance, I, I realize that's an average because you're charging $10 for three deliveries. And so total, it costs $70. How far did this bike messenger have to go from your, your headquarters to the, the client? Yeah. So it was, so we're, we're based in um, East Harlem, but most of our clients, they range from Upper East, Upper West Side down to like Park Slope, Brooklyn. So depending on where they are in that range, it gets a little bit more expensive. Obviously, Brooklyn is was the most expensive for us coming from Harlem. Um, those deliveries would be about twenty to thirty dollars each. So at you know three a week, you can do the math there. 
so we, we stopped that three week model pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we, we consolidated the food into uh, one day of delivery. Wow. Uh, Ashley, sorry to interrupt you. I'm just thinking. So, so this guy, he went from East. So these people go on bikes from, from East Harlem down to Brooklyn. Yeah. They're pretty amazing, actually. <laughs> okay. There's this not very good movie that I saw. I don't know if you've seen this about the bike. It's, um, what's this guy's name? He's like, he was in this movie, I think, called 50. All right. Anyway, I'm not, okay. He was on uh, Third Rock from the Sun. He became really famous as an actor. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? I know Third Rock from the Sun, but I'm not sure which actor. He was like the young kid in there. And now he's like okay. super famous. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I won't go into what's that movie's name, but anyway, there was this movie about bike messengers uh, in New York. And they just, like, the way they ride is like really, really aggressive. And it's like, you got to fit the New York style, I guess, of, of driving. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's I'm amazing. I'm a city biker myself, but I don't come close to these guys. They're crazy. Yeah. So bike messenger sucks. That's awesome. Okay. So bike messenger occurs. So you're going to, okay. And you mentioned Uber Rush. That's from the Uber. Yeah, so they launched their own bike messenger service as well. So they and they were a little bit less expensive for us, so we switched to them. But now that we're looking to expand, um, actually, I'm really excited. Actually, starting next week, we'll be serving Westchester and um, Jersey City. We're switching to a uh, vehicle service. Okay, so you're going from bike to vehicle. Yeah, so then we hit more, you know, further distances, and it's less expensive. Less expensive, and obviously, they can carry away more orders in their right. In their car. Is it going to be a truck or a car or? I believe it's going to be, well, it's going to depend how many orders we have, but they have, I believe, a van that they'll be using. Amazing. Okay, cool. So this is exciting. So, okay. So I, I would like you to leave our listeners with any advice for someone that's really targeting a, a niche, like a, a very drilled down niche. Like everyone's working in a, a niche, but like, you know, you know, pregnant and, and, and moms and, and postpartum, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what have you found in terms of connecting? Like what has been the biggest challenge and what type of advice can you leave for our listeners? Yeah, I think niche is really important. I think the millennial consumer is looking for brands that get who I'm saying who she is, but who they are and, and do it in an authentic way. That said, I think if you're going into a niche, it better be a niche that you are very familiar with or that you have some sort of credibility in. You know, um, if I you know tried to do this and I wasn't a mom, you know, I'd be playing an uphill battle. I don't know that the consumer would trust me as much. Yeah. And actually I, like, I knew, I mean, I asked you, but I knew you had like a newborn. There's no, when I saw like, yeah. company, <laughs> I, I would have been shocked if you didn't. And at the same time, I'm not going to say it's impossible because you learned, but you also studied nutrition, mm -hmm. right? right? And so, I mean, you could, well, right, there's well, ways uh, around culinary nutrition, culinary nutrition, right. Mm -hmm. But still like, there, and there's ways around that. I mean, I'm sure you have like consultants and nutritionists, right. but you have exactly. to have like a nutritionist mm -hmm. there. And I think, yeah, you have to like, you have to be kind of, kind of become an, an, an expert and, and the niche. And, and I don't know. So I'm curious, actually, because I, the same thing for me, you know, I, I have my own food startup, I work in food and becoming an expert. It's kind of like a battle with, with the ego, because yeah. I don't know, there's everyone goes through this. I know everyone listening and even like the, the, the big startups on here, like Bob's Red Bull, et cetera, everyone's gone through, we'll call it like the imposter syndrome where, you know, right. like, who am I to, to speak exactly. about, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, even like it happens to me too. I'm like, who am I to be speaking to like watermelon water about, about food business, you know, and, and, right. it, and these are just, it is just part of self-development. So it's not a negative thing that we all go through. So I, I think, I think a lot of it too, is just, you know, you've got to say, listen, branding, you know, Ashley Ashton as she is like a voice for, for nutrition, for, for millennial moms or, or moms, I guess, that happen to be mm -hmm. millennials. Right. Yeah. yeah. I go through that every other week. <laughs> I'm like, am I really doing this? Good. Yeah. And so it's, I try to share this. So I try to do a better job of sharing this. I've had like some, some feedback from, from listeners because, and, and we got that with, with Eat Pops, uh, even, yeah, I think we've gotten that with, with most companies. It's just like, like they're in like a couple thousand stores and, and like everything's going great. And then I'll be like, yeah, well, did you ever like, you know, do you have any tough times? Like, oh yeah. It's like six months ago, I almost like 
gave it up because blah, blah, and blah. And yeah. the partner left. And blah. So, so that's cool. So actually, as you know, it's going to be uh, a struggle, like a, a journey. I don't know, however you want to uh, frame it, but I wish you luck. On Thank you. With Barley and Oats, uh, you know, check back in next year. Yeah, we can talk after the show about, about funding ideas and, and everything. And uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, if you have any questions or comments, find us online at foodstartupspodcast.com. Mm-hmm.